Uh, I'm, what I'm going to try to do is answer all the questions. Then we'll allow for follow-up. There's a lot here, but I think I can move through these somewhat quickly. Um, and and if, if I don't read your specific question, it's because I felt like the answer is covered in the answer to another question. So it's not a neglect, uh, but I think we'll overlap some of these. And, and really, there's not a ton of overlap. So lots of you had very different questions, and that's great. Okay. Uh, I, there's not a lot of organization in terms of why I'm answering some first. We're just going to go for it. So, y'all ready? Now, also understand this: that what I, the way I'm going to answer this is is my opinion. Okay, um, as I said earlier, uh, these a lot of these uh, questions come from situations that you guys have been in. Obviously, without knowing the extent of the situation, it's impossible for me to give. Uh, real specific advice. So please understand that. Understand that these are going to be, uh, this is my opinion. Again, as I've searched the scriptures and um, and believe I, I can offer some good understanding here, but it's just my opinion. You're certainly able to disagree, and there's probably some that, that will disagree, and that's perfectly okay. So just, we don't always have to agree. Okay, here we go. This is my favorite, so I'm going to start out with my favorite. Should I kiss her? I love it. I just love it. Okay, so that's a great question. It's a great question because I'm a, I'm a hopeless romantic. Who is a hopeless romantic? Anybody else in here? I am so that way. I'm going to just reveal to you that one of my favorite genres of movies is chick flicks. And I don't mean like the pop star chick flicks, like, I don't know. what I don't know what, but like the love stories, the great love stories. And I will go ahead and recommend to you the greatest of all time. The greatest date movie of all time is New in Town. Has anybody ever seen the movie New in Town? It's the greatest date movie of all time. So there you go. Take it for what it's worth. Okay, should I kiss her? I don't know. Um, there's, a, there's a lot there. Um, uh, but let's just answer it this way. Uh, certainly, uh, is, that a, is that a step that you should view as a wrong step to take? Uh, no, I don't, I don't believe so. Remember the, uh, the parameters that we, that we set, uh, that you should not put yourself um, in a situation that intentionally... Um, reproduces the effects uh, of sexual intercourse. And what we mean by that um, is that, that sex is not purely physical, right? So there, there are emotional ties, obviously deep emotional ties uh, within, uh, within sex. And so what we don't want to do, because people always go, okay, what's the line? Well, we know that the line is, don't, you know, we, and we say it all the time, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. But, I, but the, so everybody, you know, the natural question is, well, then how far can we go? Um, and we covered that a little bit, but that, that line that I, that I thought was pretty clear is nothing that intentionally reproduces the effects uh, of sexual intimacy, either physically or emotionally. Um, that, that, that's kind of the, uh, the line. So, um, Obviously, the clear command in the scripture is against sexual intercourse outside of marriage, but I think we also have to guard uh, the effects uh, of other physical acts that produce the same, uh, the same uh, thing. So um, I think you need to guard that line well. Should you kiss her? Absolutely, go for it. If she slaps you, then you know that you probably shouldn't have, and we all learn. So uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but you should, you should uh, also, in any, any approach like that, you should really always ask the question, is what I'm about to do, is this going to honor this individual? Um, that We always have to lead in relationships. We have to lead with honor. So uh, obviously, it's a physical manifestation of a relationship is a natural thing and is not a thing to be afraid of. But you need to kind of have, have felt that out beforehand to kind of go, okay, is this, is this step going to honor um, this individual? Or am I gonna be, is this going to be forced? Is this just going to be something that's, that's purely selfish on my, uh, on my end? So I think that that's the way that you draw that line. So, okay. And then we'll, we'll, let me get through as many of these as I can, and then we'll do follow-up uh, at the end. I think that might be better. Okay. So uh, this one's good. So uh, it's another hopeless romantic. Can Christians believe in love at first sight? You know, that's an interesting question, because you have to define love in that question. Um, obviously, when we talk about when we talk about love uh, at first sight, it can't be a love that is developed uh, as two individuals uh, pursue Christ and then uh, learn and grow together as that love continues to uh, to grow and and be manifest. Obviously, that can't happen at first sight. Impossible. 
Impossible for that level of love to happen at first sight. Can you be deeply attracted to somebody at first sight? Uh, absolutely. Um, can you uh, in, observe their action or, um, you know, be, certainly there's a physical attraction there. There's an attraction to the person that they are. And can there be a deep attraction there in, in a very uh, short matter of time? Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely a thing. Um, and I would say even that, that was my experience. When I first, uh, when I first met Lindsay, um, and, and just in the short time that we had together, uh, I was very much attracted to her and wanted to pursue, uh, not just immediately this dating relationship, but I thought, man, this is somebody that I really want to be around. And so it was, it, for me, it was deep attraction at first sight. For her, it was not that way, um, sadly. Uh, and it wasn't because I wasn't just incredibly handsome. That was not the case, because I was. Um, but, uh, but it just wasn't the case for her. And, uh, but as we, as we got to know each other, that developed for her over time. Um, so I do think it is. I do think it is possible. Um, I think you got to be really careful when you say love at first sight and really define what does that word love mean. Yeah, fair. Nod. Okay. I know I said we weren't going to interact much on that, but I. You guys are just too quiet. Okay. Um, okay. When do you know it's uh, the right time to share your testimonies with one another? That's a great question. Really, it's a question about openness. And I think there's one in here, and I'll probably skip it then. Uh, that is that talks about um, when do you know to share things of your past? So when we talk about testimonies, I think the illusion here in this question is talking about what my you know my history, um, specifically as it pertains to uh, to the gospel. Probably being referred to when we use that word testimony, that's probably what that individual is thinking of. But the, certainly the question of okay, here's my history. Um, here's maybe some mistakes that I've made. How open? Should I be about those mistakes? How open should I be about certain, uh, certain struggles, certain things that have happened um, in my life? That's a really hard question to give an absolute to. Um, but, but I would say this, that before you need to share any of, those, uh, any of those things, you need to make sure that you're not sharing it for the purpose of selfishness. What I mean by that is sometimes our struggles and our, and our failures become the thing that we use to garner attention. And we're actually using that for, you, you've, probably, you've maybe heard that, you've maybe even done that uh, a few times where, where it's a way to get some level of sympathy, it's a way to get some level of attention, and so we say, this was my struggle, this is what I went through, and it's kind of, we're trying to manufacture an emotional moment and a connection with somebody, and I would say in that sense, it's not a good time to share, because it's, it's birthed from uh, a desire for your own, uh, your own attention. But what I w- would say, that there is a time to share, and I don't think in dating relationships, we, I hear this a lot with people, that they feel like they're, they're in a dating relationship, and because of that, they're obligated to share the entirety of their history and their past. And I just don't think that's true. You don't go out to coffee with somebody in the first time that, you, that you're in a friendship. You don't, you don't share that way. That happens as trust is built and, and life is shared over a period of time. And I think it's absolutely the same with dating. And as you build trust and you know that that individual is going to honor the things that you say and you feel like there's information that I can share uh, that, is, that is for the purpose of them knowing me better, then that's absolutely fine and, and a good thing. And that most relationships will progress to where they're sharing deeper and deeper things uh, about each other. I don't think on the first date you need to go and go, okay, here's, here's all the... Here's all the baggage, just so you really, really know me. Um, you know that I, I don't, I don't think that that's uh, that that's healthy. But I, I don't think also that there's this magic timeline of when you share your testimony. With that being said, uh, if, if we're by testimony, we're talking about the um, the work of Christ in our life. Then in that sense, we're always sharing that. That's not a that's not a segmented piece of our life. In everything that we say and that we do, we ought to be testifying about the saving work of Christ and what He's doing in and through us now. How He saved us uh, at the point of salvation, and then what He's in it, doing in and through us now. So in that way, we ought to constantly be testifying. But when we're talking about specific instances in our life uh, of hurt, especially of hurt or brokenness, it's I think it's shared over a period of time as trust is uh, as trust is built. And if and if there comes a point where you feel like um, I can't share this, you need to ask yourself two questions. Number one is it the reason I feel like I can't share it because I don't trust this person. And then you know you're gonna, you need to run down that road. Why? Why? Why do I feel like I can't tell so and so this piece of my life? We we I should be there. This is where the relationship is. I should be there. Why can't I trust them? That's a question. Or the, the, other, the other part of it is, um, am I still, is there still shame in this for me? 
is the reason I'm sharing it, not because I can't trust them, but because I'm still ashamed of it. And then that's a more inward thing. That's a, that's a turn around and go to the Lord and go, okay, why am I still feeling shame for this? Is it, should that be the case? And, uh, and I think you need to seek out wise counsel uh, in that as well. So uh, does that fare on that question? Okay, cool. And again, if you have follow-ups, hold them, maybe jot them down. I don't, well, we don't, jot them down on your phone or something. Um, okay, so that one, yeah, that was the one uh, just talking about the past matter. How do you know when you're truly in love? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> how do you know when you're truly in love? I think that um, this is hard because we set love up, and it's the same thing with, with the love at first sight question. We set love up as this this line that gets crossed all of a sudden and you know when it is because this is love. It's when dot, 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 right? And we go to First Corinthians and we, we read all about it and we go, okay, that, that must be love. The, the problem is that, that, uh, that love, according to the scriptures, is within the context uh, of an entire relationship. It's a continual expression in a relationship. So Christ is, uh, he loves us, right? But that's not he didn't fall in love with us once and that was the moment. It's this constant expression of the person of who he is. And as we're transformed by Christ, we kind of automatically, we love one another and then as a result of that, I'm sorry, we love God and as a result of that, we love one another. So it's a little bit tricky to go, okay, when do I know if I'm in love? As if that's a marker for this relationship being more serious. I, I would come off of that question as much as I could and recognize that love to other people should be an automatic output of my Christian life. So is it going to be different? Is that going to be expressed differently in a dating relationship or in a relationship that is, that is moving quickly down the, the, the marriage path? Is, is the love of Christ in and through me expressed differently to my wife than it is to you? Yes, it is. But it's the same thing. It's the same love, and it's only available to give because I've first been loved, right? So the, the, the question of am I in love is really more of a question, how do I know if this thing's serious, right? How do I know if there's something different happening in my heart than just any other uh, dating relationship? Is that fair? Would you agree? I think, that, I think that that's more the question of how do I know if this is the thing? This is that, that extra feeling that I'm supposed to have for somebody that I want to that I want to pursue uh, in marriage, and I would and I would say this that the answer to that question is, um, are you are you captivated by who they are in Christ? Is one of the key questions. Has are you just totally and completely captivated by who God has made them to be? Not by what any benefit you gain from them, but are you captivated by who God has uh, has put in what He has called them? Uh, to be who he has called them um, to be. Does that, does that capture your heart? And, and is that, if that captures your heart, and as you move into deeper relationship with somebody, does that continue? Every time you, you uh, go into deeper and deeper relationship, every time you have a different conversation, are you continually captivated by them? And I would say that right there is a huge, uh, huge marker that this is something um, significant. That when you're in, in context with them, that, it's, that, it's, uh, some, that they are somebody you're so drawn to, not because of, of superficial things, but because of the work of Christ in them. Um, because there's people that I'm just, I, you know, I totally admire their stories and I'm drawn to what, what their stories are, but I'm drawn to my wife in a totally different way. I'm just totally, I would say God has given me uh, a heart to be totally captivated by her and who he is in her, that stands apart from everybody else. So I think it's more of a, of a question of, uh, of captivation with that person, but not with their skills or attributes, but with who Christ has called them to be. Okay? Fair? Everybody stand up. All right. Is it warm in here? All right, you guys do some trunk twists. Whew, okay, here we go. Date, you can stand up or sit down for this. It doesn't matter. Dating a believer with struggles, what should you do in that situation? Um, who, who's going to date a believer that doesn't have struggles? Nobody. <laughs> I, think, I think what you, what you have to do, the, the question I think is really, that is really huge is, um, do you, are they dealing with unrepentant sin? And, and this is a hard thing to arrive at. I don't think that that's a, a coffee date situation. Uh, Peyton, I'm really interested in you, but I need to know about unrepentant sin in your life. Does it exist? Right? 
That's probably not the, the you know, the, the great movie conversation, you know, right after the movies. Let's go talk about unrepentant sin. Um, but, uh, but I think that's more what you're dealing with. If you're looking for struggles in an individual to rate whether or not you can date them or not, good luck. Uh, good luck finding some that that perfect uh, individual, and uh, and I, and I think the words of Jesus would would be very prevalent here. Let's look at let's look at ourselves first, um, and but I think that really the question is um, is this person is this person intentionally rejecting the work of Christ to uh, to go through their lives to sift through their lives and make the things which are weaknesses strengths. Are they, if they're rejecting that, if they have no desire for God to work, if they say, this is my struggle and I like it, that's a little dangerous, okay? I would say that, that that does become an issue. But people have struggles, people have issues, people have things that they're dealing with, and you're not going to get to know all of those things. Lindsay and I never sat down and said, okay, you list your struggles, I'll list mine, we'll see if this works out in the end. You know, and it, but it doesn't work that way. In fact, there's things that you're struggling with now that you don't even know you're struggling with. That God, that by the, the, you know, in the design of God, as the Holy Spirit works on us, He hasn't even shown you some of the stuff that you're dealing with yet. It's a process in God. So you couldn't know all of it anyway. The question is, are they moving towards the Lord? Are they open and available as the Holy Spirit convicts of sin? And are they being transformed? That's the process you're really looking for. Uh, and if that's happening, um, then, then I think that's a really, really good sign. Okay? Okay. Um, how should I get to know someone I may be interested in dating? Uh, you got to be face-to-face, first of all. I mean, you've you got to spend time uh, communicating. It's the checklist we went through today. Uh, you need to know what they're like in different situations. Don't just judge the character of a person based on how they are on a date with you. Because I promise you, that, and it's not because they're trying to trick you, but we're all on our best behavior for the most part on a date. We're all, you know, you don't see us in that weak, vulnerable moment. Uh, so watch what they're like with their, with their group of friends. How do they speak to their friends? How do they speak to other, so if girls, if you're asking this question about a guy, how do they speak to other women in your life? How do they speak to your friends? Do they honor them? Uh, do, how do they talk about their mother and their father? You know what, just look at the whole, uh, whole person and make sure that you, uh, you kind of know who they are outside of your dating relationship. Okay, uh, is it a good idea to write a list of qualities in a person? Now, here's what I think that this means. I could be off, so I'm going to answer it based on what I think it means. I, when I was a kid, this was happening when I was a kid. I don't know if it's still happening or not, but we would get in youth group, and they would say, okay, make the list of the person that you want to date. Or uh, they wouldn't say date. Make, yeah, because it was, like, forbidden. So uh, <laughs> no dating until marriage. That's the Christian way. Um, they, would, they would say, okay, who do you want to marry? Write down the qualities of who you want to marry. And we would do that, and then, and then they would say, okay, now keep this list in your Bible. I just love to see the day. I know it's got to, it has to have happened where on the first date somebody pulled out their Bible with the awesome zip cover. I'm not making fun of you have that. I used to have it. Uh, with the awesome zip cover, and they pulled that out from like junior high, and, and they went, here's the list, bro. <laughs> like, do you, you know, check box by the things you complete, right? And, and I think that's the idea that we got, that if we just make this list, listen, I'm making fun of that, but... I did it. Okay, so um, if if we if we make this list, I, I don't I don't think that that's uh, I don't think that that's healthy. I think that there's things that you do need to be um, absolute on. You know, I think that there's things that the scripture says that are that are absolutes. You know, that we don't compromise on. I think that you need to have an absolute that says uh, I'm only going to pursue a, a deep covenant relationship of marriage with a believer. I, I believe that that is that's absolutely scriptural and should should be the case. I think when we get down to um, the details we're not really talking about the, the things that are scriptural. We're talking about preferences there, okay? And with preferences, it's good to be aware of those things, but don't hold those over someone else's head as if that's the Word of God, okay? I had a friend in college, um, and he uh, took this girl on a date, and, uh, and they went on this wonderful first date, and, um, and you know, he thought, this is going to be great. You know, we really connected, blah, blah, blah. They went on a second date, and then after the second date, she called him and, and said, I just have to tell you something. Um, we can't go on any more dates. Uh, we, this isn't going to work. Um, I'm just, it's just really, I just really believe I'm supposed to marry a preacher. And he was furious. He was absolutely furious. Uh, and, and rightfully so. You know, this is one of those uh, preferences things that, why, and, you know, he's going, why did you, why did I get to go, you know, I'm in PT school. Like, you should have eliminated me from the very beginning. I'm not, you know, I'm not this preacher person. And, and I think sometimes we hold our list 
over someone's head. Like, if you don't meet these expectations, then you're not godly enough or you're not good enough for me. I think that's a really dangerous habit. I think instead we need to be honest with ourselves about preferences and, and, and examine those before the Lord. Are these preferences that I need to hold tightly or not? And the things that, that are preferences, and there's nothing wrong with preferences. Preferences uh, create attraction, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I think you need to hold those loosely, that those are going to change maybe even over time. Um, and you shouldn't hold them over someone else's head. Uh, and then be, be responsible with, with if you're going to hold those preferences tightly, then don't mess with somebody. Don't go on a date with somebody that doesn't meet those preferences. That's not honoring them. Um, so I think that's how you deal with that. But no, I'm not in general a, a, a friend of the list, okay? So... Um, Okay, as a woman, is it okay to let a guy know that she likes him? I did say that earlier today, that it's okay to drop hints, uh, and most of the time we need that. Some of the times we need that. Um, if he says no, meaning if, if, he, if he is not responding to my hints, uh, how should I handle that situation? And um, yeah, so how do you handle the situation uh, of, let's just, and we can deal with this on both sides. How do you, how do you handle the situation of rejection? Uh, and that's, I mean, that's really kind of what you're processing, what you're feeling in that moment. How do you handle a situation of rejection? I think number two, you have to, uh, so first, let's do this on the guy's side. So if you pursue a young lady and she rejects or, or says, no, not, you know, not at this time, I think, you, I think you have to ask the question. You kind of have to deal with your own heart. You have to go, okay, am I going to keep pursuing? Am I going to keep pursuing? Is this, do I, am I just really, really after this where, where this is, I want to keep pursuing even in the face of maybe, of maybe a first rejection? If the answer is yes, so the answer is no, obviously you need to, you need to honor her by not putting, because you've got to know now that after you've expressed that, every time you're around her, she's going to feel that. She's going to feel like, this is the guy that said, da, 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 and I feel a little awkward when he's around. So you need to try to help her out by not putting yourself in those situations, number one. But number two, if you, uh, if you do decide uh, that you do want to continue to pursue her, so this was, this was somewhat of my situation. Now, I never told Lindsay in the very beginning that, I'm, that I want to pursue a dating relationship uh, with you. But she very clearly told me, I think it was kind of this prerequisite, she would loudly make it known within my earshot uh, that, that she wasn't interested and she had these funny little rules about she didn't want to date anybody younger. I'm like eight months younger. And so I heard that and went, whatever. You know, it's like I'm <laughs> not deterred. But, um, <laughs> but in the face of those types of rejections, so even if you were to say, hey, this is how I feel about you, and she were to say, not right now. And, and you go, and you know what? I'm going to keep trying. Here's the deal. You can keep trying. You can keep trying. Now, this is dealing with a guy for a girl. You can keep trying, but you absolutely must honor her boundaries. And this is the thing that I don't think we do well. We go, well, I'm going to keep trying. And we actually get more in their face than we were at the beginning. And it becomes problematic. You, and, and I'll just tell you this. You want to know how to not capture her heart? Be annoying, okay? And, and it, that's not going to work. So your pursuit then has to take, listen to me, has to take the context of their boundaries, and you've got you to just know this is the call I'm making. If it takes the context of, of their boundaries and the only time I'm going to see them is in massive group situations and this is the boundaries that they've set, then I'm going to do that. And I'm not going to just go stand right next to them the whole time in those massive group situations like, does she notice me? Does she? You know, don't do that. That's annoying, okay? Uh, be content uh, honoring her boundaries. If you can't honor her boundaries after the first no, you don't have any business pursuing her anyway. Um, so honor her in the boundaries that she has. And if, if I would say upon multiple rejections, get a clue and, and, and walk away. Um, so, and that's just, I, I don't know how else to tell you that. If she said no 14 times, she probably means it. Okay. So, um, maybe, maybe try to, uh, although I don't know, pursuit is a strong thing. So, um, just don't be annoying. Okay. So, uh, and then, okay, on the, but on the girl's side of it, so that was really where the question was. So on the girl's side of it, if I make my affections known to him, and I don't know, I, you guys do this in some really funny ways, uh, you know, it's like you drop hints that, let me just, can I, girls, can I just, even within marriage, <laughs> if you don't say what you mean, we don't understand. I have to tell, <laughs> Lindsay and I laugh all the time because she'll say that she said it and I say, well, when do you say it? Well, it's when I said this, but this isn't this <laughs> and I don't get the code. You know, I did the code. Now, so I'm getting better and we, we grow and learn, but, uh, but for the most part, if it's not clearly communicated, you should not assume that we get it, okay? Um, anyway, so if you've communicated that you, uh, through a friend or whatever or however you do that and 
And I would say you need to really think through that process. Um, if, if it's rejection, ladies, the answer is different. Um, I, I would say that uh, there's nothing wrong with continuing to be uh, interested in this young man, but I would say uh, that at, at that point, you need to wait on him. Um, you need to wait on him and be content in the waiting. That's really hard to say. Be content on the waiting. But I would say this, don't be content and just be on the waiting for him. Don't, don't put yourself in that situation. If he comes around and you're still interested, great. But you kind of give, give away your power at that point when you just sit back and wait on, wait on one person. Uh, sit back and in contentment, uh, wait and know that the Lord has your heart. And, and know that the, that the right guy will pursue you the right way. And it's okay, it's okay to have heartbreak. It's okay to be sad. Um, but it's, it's worth waiting on a guy that cares about you enough to pursue you. It's worth waiting on that rather than tracking him down, tackling him, and making him submit, okay? Uh, I, I don't generally uh, believe that that is a, a, a great way to start a, uh, start a relationship. You sabotage his ability to lead, and that's not a great way to start a relationship. So it is a bit different, guys and girls. And again, you can disagree or agree, whatever, that's fine. Okay. Uh, okay, that's the same question. Um, let me ask you guys this. Just interact with me a little bit. Um, do you understand the guys and girls can't be friends thing? I kind of touched on that this morning. Are we good there? And those friends? Okay, cool. Um, Oh, this is, good, this is a good one. So you talked about the need for independence individually before dating, and how do we balance that with, with community? So when I mean independence, I don't mean like loan shark Christian that you do you know, everything, everything by yourself. What I mean by independence is more of an internal thing. Um, am, I, am I confident in my relationship with Christ? Um, am I confident in who he is and who he's called me to be? That's a statement of independence. And then on, you know, on another level of that, do, am, I, am I emotionally independent? You know, am I, am I um, intellectually independent? Can I fend for myself? You know, am I, if I were uh, to be totally left alone, could I figure out how to get things done? You know, that's a, that's a uh, kind of a material independence, but still is important and should be, uh, should be considered. So, um, what I don't mean is that you need to go on a desert island and if you survive, you're independent. Uh, independence is more, is more of an internal thing. And we actually gain independence as we learn to depend on other people, as we learn to be helped and, and picked up and lifted up and in community with, with other people. The danger is, is, though, when we're totally dependent on that relationship to be the commentary on the substance of who we are, okay? That's what I mean by being independent. That relationship should not be the thing that dictates who you actually are. It should be, it should receive the overflow of who you are, but not the thing that dictates it. Does that make sense? Okay. Y'all good? Okay, just three more. All right. Uh, any guidance on taking advantage of singleness after a breakup or just before being in a relationship? Uh, taking advantage of singleness. Man, singleness is, is, uh, is wonderful and uh, taking advantage of singleness for the believer is to practice your covenantal relationship and, and relationship skills uh, with your local church and within your, within your peer group and with, within groups of, uh, of people of different generations. So how do you take advantage of it? Should you take advantage of it? Absolutely. But you shouldn't be taking advantage of it looking forward to a day when I'll be relieved of my singleness. But you, rather, you know, covenant with the church is to say, I'm going all in here. And, uh, and that, that's the way you take advantage of singleness. And a dating relationship shouldn't change your all-in covenant with the local church. And so it just gets tweaked and refined um, a little bit. But yeah, that's how you take advantage of it is within the, the local church. You will learn so many lessons about relationships and covenant as, you, uh, as you're a part of a local church, uh, a local body, and, and really get involved. Uh, and and it's it not just for activity's sake. You, you get involved, you learn how to serve other people. Marriage, you're going to constantly be serving the other person. You, uh, that's, that's a very basic principle um, of marriage. You learn how to communicate. One of the biggest breakdowns in marriages is simply communication. And if, you, if you're not actively involved in your church and learning how to communicate what God is saying, what God is doing, and how to, how to communicate with somebody who's in a tragedy and how to communicate, right? You don't learn any of those things really anywhere else. And, and that, uh, I think that harms you as you go into a marriage relationship. Cool. Okay. Uh, 
Okay, I want to deal with that one last. We talked about the line. Okay, this, um, I think I can answer this one quickly. What is the true meaning of virginity? Is it a concrete or abstract concept? Um, it's, it's, it's concrete uh, in the sense that virginity is defined um, as the lack of sexual intercourse. So that, it's, it's, a, it's concrete. It's not really abstract. I think we get really in trouble um, when we start thinking of, of scriptural things as abstract theories and thoughts, because then we tweak them based on our own thoughts and ideas, and, and the clear lines that Scripture draws, I think we need to we need to know that these are clear, clear lines. Virginity is not a thought process. You know, it's not a uh, it's not a concept. It's a physical line that gets drawn, and the reason it's a physical line is because it is the act that consummates a blood covenant, and that's why it's it's a forbidden act outside of a marriage relationship. Um, and it is a very clear, clear line. Okay, last question. Uh, if you feel like God has called you into a relationship, and then after you're dating, you feel like God is calling you out of the relationship, why is that, and why does it change? Uh, this one's fun because, um, and I, when I say fun, I don't mean that. Um, we, we've got to, as Christians, we've got to figure out how to deal with this a little bit better. Um, because I think we, first of all, I think we use that really loosely. God has called me into a relationship. God has called me out of a relationship. And a lot of times we use it calling me into a relationship. We can use it somewhat as a distortion to try to get into that relationship, um, to try to move it faster than maybe it should be going or for whatever reason. And then certainly I think we see the most damage on the back end of it where we say, well, now God has called me to get out of this relationship. And that's the way we communicate that one. You know, if I say, Colton, God has called me to get out of this relationship with you, what's he going to think about him? Well, God's not a big fan of me, right? I mean, it, what's wrong with me? What does God think about me if, if God is not allowing you to be in this relationship? You know, what does that even mean? And I think a lot of times we use that as kind of a cop-out um, when really, if we were to discern it further, uh, we, we might discover, number one, that, that maybe it is God. Maybe it is God that's, uh, and I'm using people here, but maybe it, maybe it is God that's saying, um, you know, Grace, this relationship, maybe, it's, maybe God's saying this, this relationship um, doesn't honor me. You know, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a situation where the relationship's not healthy. And, you know, this, this relationship doesn't honor me. Well, instead of saying, hey, our relationship is not honoring to the Lord. We're not walking rightly with the Lord. We're doing this, this, and this, and this is not, you know, honoring to the Lord and having a discussion about it. We just say, God's called me to get out of a relationship with you. And I think we do that because, you know, we don't want to own up to the, our responsibility uh, of part of that. And, it's, and again, it's dangerous to do to that individual. Um, and number one, I think you need to be really, really, really careful because sometimes a relationship ends not because God calls you out of it, but because your preferences change. Or because you see something in that individual that you go, I, I'm just not captivated here. You know, I, I'm, we've gone this far in the relationship. We've gone on five or six dates. And I'm just, my heart's not captured here. It's okay to be honest about that. I think we just, out of fear of the honesty of that conversation, we just say, well, God said. And, and again, I think that's, it's, really, it's really damaging. What would be so much better is if you were to say, after five or six dates, to say, um, hey, you know, I, I started... We started this dating relationship, um, and, and I don't know how you phrase it. Maybe you guys don't say that, but dating relationship. We started dating. We were Facebook official, whatever you call it. Um, but, but, uh, and, and man, I had, I've had a ton of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know you, uh, but I just realized my heart's not, not here. And, and that doesn't help you, and it doesn't help me to keep, to keep going. So I think the best thing would be is for us just to kind of back off. And thank you for, for treating me so well. Thank you for, for honoring me with your time and, and even your attention. I'm, I'm flattered by that and appreciate that, but I just don't think this is where, where, uh, where I need to be. That's so much healthier than the playing the God card on them and this ambiguity of, this, of the God card, even in the situation where the, it's, it's the Lord that, and I believe this happens, the Lord opens your eyes and goes, yeah, you know, this is not the relationship that you want to be in. This, this isn't, you know, um, the relationship for you or for whatever reason. Even in that sense, I think you need to really process how am I going to communicate this to somebody? Because just quickly saying God called me out of the relationship is, is again, it's not healthy. And I would really encourage you to almost never use that. Um, if you're in a relationship with a believer and you guys are, um, 
are obviously living in sin and there's, there's uh, immorality in the relationship, I think it is okay to go, you know what, this is what's happening in our relationship and it doesn't honor God. In that way, I think the God card is okay. But a, a, as this prophetic dating card, uh, we, I, I think we're abusing the name of the Lord. We're abusing what it means to hear from God. I don't, I don't think that's right. Let's have an honest conversation about why the relationship is, is ending or where we're at in it. And I think it'll do everybody a whole lot more good. So, um, yeah, that's it. Those are your questions. So, uh, are you guys awake? We got to do this different, don't we? Warm room, full lunch, two sermons later, and you guys are like, <laughs> so, um, okay. You got questions? Does anybody have questions? If you have a question, let's do it this way. Raise your hand, and then we'll have you stand, and you can ask your question. Does anybody have any questions? Peyton's here all day. He's going to answer all of them. Yeah, Zach. Yeah, that's a good question. So if you believe in infant baptism and I believe in full submersion, we cannot date. <laughs> that's all. I'm just kidding. That's the Baptist line. I'm kidding. I'm not using it. Um, I, you know, I, I would say this, and this is, um, this is my personal opinion, but I, I think that we draw a lot of lines that we don't need to draw um, theologically, not that we don't have a right to do. I mean, I th- you can you can read this, and I, Zach, you and I could could read certain passages, and we're going to come up with different conclusions. We're going to come up with different things. There's a lot of gray in the Bible. Uh, there's a lot of tough things to understand. Even Peter said, "Don't read Paul unless you're, you you get it," because he's hard. And um, so there there's a lot of tough issues. And I think because we're we're humans, we like to draw absolute lines in the sand, and we like to know who's with us and who's against us, right? And I just read the other night uh, about Christians killing Christians for a differing belief in baptism. What? This is insane. And so I think that we, there's things that I would say you absolutely need to hold, um, uh, you know, uh, you, you shouldn't be dating a, a non-believer, okay? I, and I firmly believe that. You should, not, you should not pursue a marriage relationship with a non-believer, so you don't have any business dating one. Um, and so obviously you, there's a definitive notion of what is salvation, that, that is a big deal. Um, who, is, who is Jesus? You know, is God one or multiple? You know, some of these very, 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 very concrete things, there are absolutes, but I think that the absolutes are far less than what we make them. I'm not saying that truth isn't important, okay? Truth is absolutely important and should be pursued, and it's good for us to have conversations about the gray areas. Have you ever changed your mind about anything? Have you ever seen evidence and changed your mind? Listen, I, I do that all the time. I'm reading the scriptures, and I go, and I would have told you a year ago, this is absolute. And then I start reading, I go, well, wait a minute, I didn't see that. I didn't hear it that way. That looks a little different. And, and it's possible I might form a different opinion. Oh my goodness, we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to have differing opinions and grow in our understanding of Christ. And I don't think we give ourselves the leniency to do that very often. So I would say that there's an importance to draw absolute lines in terms of, um, of, of who is God, the salvation uh, uh, that, that Jesus brings, what the cross did. Those, those things I think are absolutely important. Um, but I wouldn't present that person that you're about to date with a, okay, what are your close-fisted things? Let's do this. You know, like, give me your theology. Um, but I would hold loosely the gray areas Allow them to be conversations. You would be amazed at how the people with differing opinions, even in dating relationships, can, uh, can sharpen you and can challenge you to, uh, to hold different beliefs. Lindsay and I have different, have, I know, isn't that crazy? Lindsay and I actually believe some different things. Like we, she reads it one way and I read it the other way and we still love each other. Um, and it's crazy. So um, yeah, I think, I think just really, really, really make sure that the lines you're drawing are lines that are absolutes in the scripture. And if in the scripture there's room to talk about it, then you need to have room to talk about it with that, with that individual. Um, so is that, I know it's a very general way of answering that, but does that help a little bit? Cool. Yeah.
Yeah, that's a good question. So the, the way that you realize it, the first, the first, I think, answer to that question is the way that you realize it is by a process of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is the one that searches us, knows our heart, knows areas of brokenness. So I think it's this constant availability before God to know um, what is, what's brokenness in me. And, you know, it's, it's David's prayer, um, seek me, you know, find any unrighteous thing uh, in me. And once that's revealed, um, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see, you know, as God shows us brokenness, we all do this. You're going to see the fruit of that brokenness in your life, right? You're going to see, oh, man, this attitude about such and such really changes the way that I uh, deal with conflict or the way that I communicate, or the way that I see this person or that person, you're going to begin to see the fruit of it. Um, and the way that that is reestablished is, okay, the Holy Spirit reveals it. Now it's by a process of the Holy Spirit that I, that I turn, I repent of, a, of living in brokenness, and ask for healing and forgiveness. And by process of the work of the Holy Spirit, that brokenness is restored. And what you should see is if I, you know, if I see, okay, I deal very differently with Colton, in this brokenness, and as I'm turning to the Lord, I ought to see the fruit be born of repentance in my situation. So I ought to see, a, uh, I ought to wake up one morning and go, wow, I'm kind of seeing the world differently. I'm seeing this situation differently. And it's the fruit of that repentance and, and that healing. Um, so you're always going to see, we really, we always see the fruit of our, of where we're at in our heart. We see that played out in relationships probably uh, the most. And uh, so, you, so as you see that manifestation of brokenness and as you're healed, you're going to see that manifested as positive fruit uh, as well. I'm getting that look that says I didn't answer your question. A little bit. Well, restoring intimacy with, with God is, is not as um, action-based as, as you might think. Restore, that's like, great, that's the answer I never want. Um, the uh, restore, if you look at it like this, that when, I, when there's an infraction, <laughs> that intimacy is broken, that God says, infraction, I walk away, you walk away. And intimacy, as we as 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 we both come back to the table, that's a broken view of what of what intimacy actually is. See, intimacy from the Lord uh, takes place constantly, even in our rebellion. God is constantly seeking; He never removes Himself from our lives. So, even in our brokenness, God is pursuing us. God is pursuing intimacy with us. What brokenness does is it causes us to, in a sense, uh, refuse to receive. The love of God. Like we, we kind of, uh, we step back away from it. And the scripture says, as we return to him, he, re he meets us. He, re he returns to us. So intimacy is restored, not as God decides to love us again, and as we decide to love him again, and we come back to the middle, but God is constantly pursuing. And intimacy is restored is as we relent in our rebellion, which is caused by brokenness, and, and then allow God to do what he's been doing the whole time. So it's not as action-based as we might think. There's not a song and a dance that I have to do to get back to, to middle. It's more about a relenting than anything else. Okay, good, 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 cool. All right, any other questions? Yes. Oh, that's good. So in a dating relationship, leading is totally different than uh, in a marriage relationship. So in a marriage relationship, the scriptures describe leading as a headship. Okay. It is it is an actual lead. It's a it's a headship, and we talked about this. This is not a negative thing that the man is submitted to submitted to Christ. Wife is submitted to the husband. Husband loves the wife. Right? We we saw how all this uh, all this worked. In a dating relationship, your leadership is not a headship. Your leadership is very similar to what that would be um, in a friendship. Your involvement and your friendship with somebody ought to encourage and press them deeper and deeper into the Lord. Okay? You ought to be, your words ought to be affirming to who they are in Christ. Okay? So to, to lead them well is to affirm who they are in Christ. To lead them well is to, by your action, not, not pull them into uh, anything that the Lord wouldn't desire. Right. So uh, to lead them well, you're going to set up proper boundaries. You're going to honor them in your communication. You're going to press them to uh, flourish in their giftings. You're going to encourage those things. But you don't take the step that says, uh, okay, now I am the one that is the head, 
because the head bears the consequences. And you're not, in, God has not put you in that position because he hasn't made you one flesh. So your, your leadership is more about a, uh, an encouragement and a getting behind. I would say it's more about getting behind and pushing instead of, come on. That's kind of where, the, where it changes is in marriage, it's more, of a, it's more of a, come on, follow me. We're gonna go on the adventure. In dating, you're more behind going, okay, this is you. This is who you are. You know, flourish, flourish, flourish. That's, that's a, maybe a picture of the difference. Good question. Anything else? You guys are, you guys are so good. If you have to leave, to, you leave. Like, you're not going to insult me. Go ahead. Yeah, I would say always hedge on the side of constant commu- of uh, honest communication. Um, I think girls, I would say you guys do this a lot. You you are, and it's because how God has made you. You're very um, observant of uh, of emotion, and you're uh, you're very aware. And your desire is not to hurt somebody, right? So I mean, the word is the word of the day is compassionate. So girls tend to be extremely compassionate in that way, um, and. I think sometimes on the side of compassion, you try to soften the blow because you feel like honest communication will hurt. So I'm going to try to say this as lightly as possible. Problem is sometimes in saying it lightly, we don't get it. And uh, it's not because we're dense. It's just because, uh, well, sometimes, but uh, it, it's, just, it's just because um, it's better. I'll just say this. It's always better to hedge on plain communication, so to say. This is, I know this is gonna, you're going to go, oh my gosh, I can actually say that. You can't actually say that. You have, you have come to me now three times and asked for this day. I'm not ready for that. I'm, I don't perceive a day where I will be. And so I would, it, would, it would honor me if you would stop pursuing. Because then the flip side can happen. And remember I saw, said guys need to honor the boundaries. Then he can go, okay, this is what she said. And now I need to honor her boundaries. And then if he doesn't honor that, now we have a total different conversation. Um, and then I would say, uh, I would say it's best to seek some pastoral care and, um, and, and guidance, uh, especially if this is happening within a local church. If somebody's just being belligerent and pestering and pestering and pestering, another level of conversation needs to, have, uh, needs to happen. But if it's not been clearly communicated, that's really hard to hold that judgment over them because we're going to keep going. That's in us. Like we're going to hit the brick wall as many times as you give us permission to hit the brick wall. And, uh, and that's because that's what God's put in us. You want that. I'm going to tell you, you want to marry somebody like that. That's a good thing. That persistence, he's going to keep coming after you. Um, that's a good thing. But if you don't clearly communicate, it's very difficult for us to honor the boundaries. So I would just say hedge on the side of clear communication. Even if it sounds mean, it's okay to be mean sometimes. All right? It's okay to be mean. I know. I said that. It's in church. All right. Anything else? Yeah, Bryn. I hate social media and text conversations. So you're going to get that filter, all right? Um, yes, it's, it's very appropriate for you not to answer, but I would say that, again, on the side of clear communication, you, if you are not comfortable with that individual texting you, I think you need to say, stop sending me text messages. I'm no longer going, I'm no longer going to read them, and you continue to push uh, further, we're going to talk about harassment. And I know it's like, I'm not trying to say we threaten within the body, but, but I think that level of seriousness uh, needs to occur. And guys, please, you, just in general, w- whether you're in a job or in, in a relationship, please understand this, that when you choose to go to a media form of communication, you are leaving all tone of voice and all nonverbals as the uh, option for that individual to assume what you mean. And nonverbal communication is like 90% of communication. So what you're doing is you're offering up words that's about 10% of what real all communication is, and you're letting them interpret the 90. That is so, so dangerous. Always hedge on the side of face-to-face. Whether you're in a job someday, 
don't just send an email to your boss because you're a little nervous to ask him about this. Go get brave and go and have a face-to-face conversation. Um, you know, just and refuse to have deep conversations over those mediums. It's not worth it. You're going to hurt somebody. Uh, I, I never, if I get somebody that emails me or texts me, I say, well, when can we meet? Because, you know, you, wanna ask, you want my honest answer, I can't give it here because you, that leaves you the ability to assume what I mean, and that's not worth it. I, I'm not going to risk hurting you with honest communication, and I'm not going to be dishonest in my communication. So that's just, I would just say always hedge away from that anyway, Bryn, and then if you need to tell them stop it, then tell them stop it. Again, honesty, ladies. Honesty is good. Most of the time, we're not trying to be that way. We just push. That's what's in us. So, cool. Other questions? Yes, sir. It's all right, man. It's a great question. Now, I think the place to start, that's great. Uh, the place to start for that um, is you, you really ask the question, who am I surrounding myself with? And am I, am I pursuing friendships with the type of people uh, that, I, that I would like to date? So I think the first question is kind of look at this layer of friendships that I have and really developing friendships. Not trying to go from zero to dating, but trying to go kind of get into that, uh, that intermediate space of getting to know people within a group context, uh, you know, and for, for guys, getting to know girls in a group context, for girls, getting to know guys in a group context, and letting relationships really develop uh, from there. I, I think the, you know, we kind of see this portrayed in media a lot, the cold call, like, uh, you know, you just see somebody attractive and you're like, okay, number thing. I just, that doesn't happen. I, that maybe happens a few times. Um, and I don't know, the, the rate of that success is way low, you know. Um, and uh, so I think just really it's developing those uh, those broad friendship circles and putting yourself out there for friendship and, and then kind of just, uh, just seeing where those relationships uh, go, but don't, but not pushing too, too fast. We've got to go from zero to dating. Good question. Good question. One time. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Filter caught that one. <laughs> Other questions? I'll tell you at the end. I don't want to, I don't want, stories are bad. For <laughs> Other questions? No more? Hey, just real quick, just kind of being honest with us. Um, has this been helpful to you at all, this series? I mean, I really want to, I, I feel so strongly about relationships and the practicality of them, but also, you know, this is the main way I think that we communicate the gospel is in relationships. And um, so it's really important to me. I hope that it's been helpful. I hope we've hedged on the side of practical, and I hope it's been helpful for you. And if you have any other questions, want to sit down and chat, certainly available for that. Um, and then be looking for um, next semester, we're going to do that seminar just on sexual immorality and coming out of that. Um, so if that's helpful to you, then, then let us know uh, as well.